You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with an M-Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. And Andy is having way too much fun um, listening to Tevye, but that's okay. It's good for him. Very good for his soul. Uh, I was supposed to have an interview now with a working mom who wrote a book, but... Uh, she had to pick up her daughter from school, probably some emergency, so she's a mom first, and therefore we will reschedule. But I just thought that was pretty um, pretty uh, cool that she is a working mom, and uh, she takes care of her kids, and her kids are important to her. And so she had an interview with me to talk about her book about working moms, which she can't do the interview because she has to take care of her children, which I love. So with that, um, off to the side, we will get straight into Yom Kippur. We just had Rosh Hashanah. I'm sure you can hear from my voice, a little bit raspy. Two days of praying and blowing the shofar. And uh, and overall, it was just a beautiful, amazing, uplifting holiday. And we even survived another power outage in my neighborhood. And as I told someone, it, you know, we had a power outage a couple of weeks ago. We were out of power for a good four or five days. So when the power goes out again, so you figure it could be another four or five days. But thank God it was not. Uh, the weather was not so terrible. And anyways, we're in shul in synagogue praying most of the day. And even when we were home, the weather wasn't so bad. Um, we didn't really need the lights. By the time it got 8 o'clock last night, the lights came back on. Um, I happen to have a very old-fashioned gas uh, pilot stove in my basement, so you can really warm up the food or cook the food without electric, so that was really quite convenient. But let's get into Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur is coming up next week. It is the, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, and that's the first thing I want to talk about is its placement in the Jewish calendar. Why is Yom Kippur... On the 10th day of the month of Tishrei, what happened that day? What is so important? So that's what we got to get to first. Okay. Jewish people leave Egypt. Jewish people head towards Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, on the 6th day of Sivan, or 7th day, debatable, uh, the Moses goes up and gets the Torah. 40 days, 40 nights, Jewish people do the golden calf. Moses comes down, breaks the tablets, goes and prays to save the Jewish people. Another 40 days and 40 nights, God says, fine, you recarve um, the sapphire for me, bring it up, I'll rewrite it. Moses goes up again, and the third time, third time's a charm, the third time down, Moses comes down on Yom Kippur, and God says, I forgive the Jewish people. Now, it was a forgiveness, but punishment, just because you're forgiven, doesn't mean that there isn't some payment that needs to be made. So there is some level of punishment that's been meted out over over the centuries. The example people like to give is, imagine the punishment was you had to be hit over the head with a baseball bat. 
So you ask for forgiveness, so God says, fine. I'm not going to hit you with a whole baseball bat at once. We're going to break it up into a bunch of toothpicks. And I'm going to throw one toothpick at you at a time. It's a little bit not convenient. Sometimes it could hurt a little bit. But you're not getting hit with a full-fledged baseball bat. So therefore, since God forgave us, the Jewish people, for the story of the golden calf, so that day became a special day throughout our history as Yom Kippur, as the day we ask for forgiveness. This idea of forgiveness is, again, is uh, amazing. The best example, right? just think of any criminal case that's going on, and the criminal robbed the bank with a gun, held up the tellers, scared people, fired, let's say he didn't kill anybody. Stole the money, puts it in a bag, gets in his car, drives away, and the cops surround him, they arrest him, no one is hurt, all the money goes back to the bank, and now the, the criminal um, is in front of the judge. So the judge says, how do you plead? And let's assume that the criminal prisoner says, Your Honor, you caught me, red-handed. They, I have nothing to say. But I would like to ask the court's forgiveness. I'm very sorry what I did. You know, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of days in my jail cell. And, you know, it, it's, it's really the wrong thing to do. It was not the right thing to do. I, I knew I wasn't allowed. I, I'm not pretending that I thought that I had a good excuse. I knew I wasn't allowed. Um, I thought I could get away with it. I see I can't get away with it. And I would now like to ask the court's forgiveness. So the court might say, the judge says, you know, I'm very, it's very good to see that you recognize what you did was a terrible thing. So the criminal again may say, okay, so your honor, could you just let me go free now? Because I really, really feel terrible for what I did. And the judge is going to say, we are, again, we, are, we are very happy that you recognize what you did was wrong and you have remorse. And therefore, I am going to give you the minimum sentence of 25 years. Come on, your honor. I told you I was sorry. And I really feel bad about it. Why can't you forgive me? The judge says, even if I could read your mind, and even if I could know that you were a changed person, but rules are rules. This is the punishment that comes along with robbing a bank with a gun. I mean, if you would have hurt somebody, it would have been much worse. But we could be lenient. And the criminal again says, but I, I want to be forgiven. Why can't you forgive me? I can't. The judge says, I can't, I can't fully forgive you. I cannot wipe the slate clean. I, I, that's not in my power to do. For that, you need God. And that is really what Yom Kippur is all about. You know, as we we gotta sort of back up and look at the uh, and look what's going on over here. We had Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. It's not the day of forgiveness. As a matter of fact, most of the prayers on Rosh Hashanah have nothing to do with asking for forgiveness. Most of the prayers are just around the fact that God is king. I recognize God is king. Uh, Re-inaugurating God is king. So God is king. Very good. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. I'm saying God is king, and that's how does he show he's king? He judges. Kings judge. So he judges all of us, and there's an accounting. So, okay, this person is righteous. This person is wicked. This person is somewhere in between. 
And now we have, I'm going to say 10 days, not really 10 days, because the first two days of Rosh Hashanah are part of the 10 days. But from Rosh Hashanah till Yom Kippur is 10 days. We can use that period and finally Yom Kippur to ask for forgiveness. And if we have scales, and if I have more good than bad, great, I'm good to go. If my bad is outweighing my good, I can ask for forgiveness and pull off some or all, depends how good I am, and ask to pull off the bad, and now the scales will now tilt in my favor. That's what I'm doing when I'm asking for forgiveness. And that concept that we could do something wrong, and we could do something very wrong, we could do a lot of very wrong, and we could even recognize when we did it we were doing wrong, and still have the ability to ask for forgiveness, that is amazing. That is a gift. That is something that doesn't really exist in any regular government. In a government, there's no such thing when the government will set up its rules and regulations. There's really no such thing as saying that uh, there's a place in our rules for complete forgiveness. Not that I know of. Maybe there are governments like that. It's hard to imagine. But but for for Jews, we have Yom Kippur. We can ask God for forgiveness, and God says, "I forgive you." Just mean it. Yeah, my um, I spoke the for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and the the focus of my speech was to be real. I said over a story, there was a great rabbi, and he always had people coming to visit him, and he would give advice, and he would give blessings, and. And one man comes to him, and he says, uh, the doctors say, my daughter's very sick, she needs this surgery. And the rabbi said, you know, I've, I've heard about this surgery, I wouldn't do it. And the man is arguing, and he said, well, my daughter, another daughter's very smart, and she looked into it, she said, it's a good idea. The rabbi says, yes, I know some people say it's good, but I don't think it's a good idea, don't do it. And he says, well, my, my daughter is almost a doctor, and she says in her studies, this is the way to go. And again, the rabbi says, it's not a good idea going back and forth and back and forth. This conversation was for an hour. When the man was finished, so the rabbi says to the man, he says, so are you going to do the surgery or not? The man says, I'm going to think about it. And he leaves. The wife of the rabbi says to her husband, dear rabbi, you have so many people that try to break down your door to talk to you. If you give them one minute of your time, they could be lucky. And they do whatever you say. They never argue with you. This Schmendrick over here is arguing with you for an hour of your precious time. And he walks out and he's not even for sure he's going to listen to you. Don't you feel you wasted an hour? So the rabbi says, let me tell you something. All day long people knock on my door. They claim they want spirituality and they want this blessing and that blessing. It's not what they want. They want money. They want power. They want honor. They're not real people. They're not honest with me. For people who are not honest, I have no patience. This guy was honest. It was such a pleasure to talk to somebody who could talk honest. I may not agree with him, and maybe he was taking my time, but but to talk to somebody for real for an hour... Was beautiful. Many of us are not real. And that's what I was trying to bring out. We're talking to God. Just be real. 
say what you mean. Um, I told him over the story, the famous story with uh, King Solomon. I'm going way off topic of what I wanted to talk about, but this was really a good speech. Uh, so God comes to King Solomon, who is like 12 years old, and says to Solomon, you can have whatever you want. Anything you want, ask me, it's yours. He's 12 years old. He can ask for power. I mean, he's, he's about to be king, or he is king. Power, wealth, strength. He says, God, I want an understanding heart so I can judge people properly. I can know good from bad. So God says to him, wow, Solomon, since you asked for, for an understanding heart, I'm going to give you that, then I'm going to give you the power and the wealth and everything. But really, really, think about it. If God came to you and asked you what you want, and you, again, we're not talking about somebody who's a fool, and you understood who God was, you understood what God wanted from you, you're going to ask for the wrong thing. Of course you're going to ask God, give me understanding and give me the ability to study your Torah. Of course you're going to ask for that. Any fool would ask for that. So so why is why are we praising Solomon for asking for the right thing? And why is God giving him everything? Any fool would know what to say. So the answer is, Solomon didn't just say the right answer. In his heart, that is who he was. That is what he believed. In other words... If I tell you I want I want to be your friend, really I mean to say that I want to be a business partner with you. If I say I'm your friend, then you'll do business with me. So your mouth is saying I want to be your friend, but your heart is saying I, I want to invest with you or I want you to invest with me or I want your money. So again, people maybe can't tell, but God could tell. So is your mouth and your heart saying the same thing? And that is really what we want when we're praying to God. A little bit I have to make, or a lot, I need to make sure I'm asking for forgiveness. Is that what I want? Is that what I'm asking God for? I want God to be king. Is that what I want? Or guess what? If I really, really need money, and I can say, God, I need money, be real. Be real, be honest, because here's what happens. When I'm talking to God, and I'm being real, I'm, and I'm saying, God, I need money. Right? So I'm telling God, I recognize if I want money, you're the only one who can help me out. If I recognize you're the only one, God, you're the only one who can help me out. Hello. So now I put God in the position he's supposed to be, and now I'll start having a relationship with God. Eventually I'll get the right questions, but I'll be real. That is what prayer, real prayer Real connection is all about. I, I've told the story in my class multiple times. I am so off topic. I will never get to the stuff I wanted to cover today. But it's good. This is good stuff. Good stuff. When I was in seventh grade, so my friend, who had just come to the eighth grade class, he came to me and said, my friends are complaining. Uh, they, uh, I, I'm the only guy who didn't sell a raffle ticket. Now, this was my best friend. So I said, no problem. I'll, I'll buy a raffle ticket. Now, again, we all grew up in different houses, but in my house, and I know for many of you this is hard to imagine, but I didn't ask my parents, at least in my recollection, my mother will correct me after she hears this, I, I didn't ask for a dime. I didn't, when, when things happened, I didn't ask for money. My kids come in every time I turn around, oh, I need $10, oh, I need $20, oh, I need $5, oh, I'm going to the store to buy a slice of pizza. I, for the most part, did not do that or at all. I said, oh, no. I need I need a dollar. I need to ask my parents for a dollar. I don't I don't have any money. 
I know. I'll pray so hard that God will make me win. And then when I tell my parents I won, a big deal, I won this radio or something, they'll give me a dollar because, look, I won something. What's the big deal? Remember, I'm a seventh grader. I tell you, I don't know if I ever prayed so good. For sure not before. Until today, I don't know if I ever prayed so good. And guess what? I won. And I went home and I got the dollar. So years later, thinking about that prayer, it always bothered me. Was it a good prayer or a wasted prayer? And I believe that that was a great prayer for a seventh grader. To kill myself praying for the best prayer that I should win, uh, win some little prize at my age, terrible prayer. But as a seventh grader, that I recognize that the only way I'm winning is because God is going to make me win, that is an amazing prayer. That's what I believe. Because I recognize if I'm going to win, of course by luck I could win. But I, did, I couldn't uh, rely on luck. I needed to rely on prayer. Does this mean if you all go out and pray, you're going to win the lottery? I have no idea. I don't know if you could pray the way I prayed for that radio. I have no idea. But that's not the point. The point is it's got to be real. If it's real, you make a real connection with God. You make a real connection with God. That's what the high holidays are all about. God brings his presence down. He allows us to talk to him. There are people that pray very, very long. And their feet hurt. I know. Because, as a great rabbi told me, God is right here. He's saying, here I am. You want to talk to me? I am right here. My kids were telling me around the table that they that they learn from their mother to, to talk to God. You're walking down the street, God, I need a favor. God, help me with this. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the way it should be. But, but these 10 days, God comes down and says, talk to me. I'm right here. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Would you like to spend some time with me? So when, when we have these long prayers, and even where I was, six hours, I don't get 8.30 to 2.30, right? that's six hours. And for some people, that's short. Some people start 7.30, and the way they pray finishes 4 o'clock, even longer. Hello, you have an opportunity to talk to God. Take the opportunity. Like, use, use these 10 days to make that connection, to make that relationship. It is, it is amazing and beautiful. So uh, let's skip a few things over here. So okay, let's. Uh, so what is Yom Kippur made up of? It's a unlike Rosh Hashanah. I tell you, six hours. For many of us, Yom Kippur starts out the night before, of course. A um, couple hours of prayer, go back the next morning, and pretty much in synagogue the whole day. So where I am, maybe there's a two-hour break. Maybe there's a two and a half hour break between the morning services to the evening services. Morning, evening, it's the whole day. I happen to like just stick around. There's nothing for me to go home for. My kids are older. My wife uh, prays where she likes to pray. We actually pray in different places. I lead the services where I am. And as interesting as this may sound, um, my wife doesn't feel the need to show support that she likes my prayers. She says my prayers are very beautiful, but she wants to go to another synagogue where there's way more people, there's a certain feeling that she likes. It reminds her of, of growing up as a little girl. Great. Everybody pray where you're happy. Right? Even my wife doesn't come to where I pray. Right? Pray in a place that makes you feel connected. That's all. Nothing else important. But in any case, 
<clears throat> so the prayers, right? We start with the famous Kol Nidre. The tune itself is ancient. Everybody, as far as I know, sings the same tune. It's that same uh, uh, cantorial Chazon piece. And it, interesting, it's the first prayer to get us into the high holidays is, God, if we have any promises that we made, you should nullify them. Or it's the court, sort of, it says. The, the, whoever is leading the prayers and the Torah scrolls, we, the court, are nullifying all your prayers. Beautiful. Why is that the beginning of the prayers? So there's, of course, many answers to this famous question, but an answer that we could give is what tools, right? What is my weapon? What is my tool? What am I going to pray with? I'm going to pray with my mouth, right? Not my hands, not my feet, maybe my head, but my mouth. So that's my tool, right? You go to a dentist. If you saw the dentist's uh, tools were all dirty, you would not stick around, right? If a surgeon's knife looked like it had blood on it from the last surgery, say, oh, don't worry about it. The, the blood is dry. It won't affect you. Hello? No way. So my mouth is my tool to pray to God. I need a mouth that is pure. So a person who makes promises and doesn't keep his promises, that's a pretty poor tool to come equipped with on the high holidays. So that becomes the first, the beginning of our prayers. Um, then there'll be the evening service. All the the services on Yom Kippur have have something special. It's called the Vidui, where we say all the sins we've done. There, most of them are more in a general um, way, and they follow the order of the Jewish alphabet of the Aleph Bays. And we're just saying, again, in general, if I did this wrong, I did this wrong. We actually say as if I actually did them, because most of them we probably did. I rebelled, and I this, and I that, and I sinned, and I... And then we have what's called the al and And again, we're going through the, their general but specific. If I did sins with food, if I did sins with my hands, sins with my feet, sins with my eyes, sins with my body. And we go through the list, because if I can speak them out, first of all, then I'll actually believe it. And I'll remind myself, and this is how we ask for forgiveness. Part of asking for forgiveness is I got to make it real, as we said early. So make it real is to say, yeah, God, I'm asking for forgiveness, but not, yes, if I can't remember what I did wrong, which is for sure true, so I'm asking forgiveness, but I don't remember. But if I do remember, or if I could speak it out, or by speaking it out, I can recognize, hey, you got to be more careful how you talk. Hey, you got to be more careful what you're looking at. Hey, you got to be more careful where you're going and who you're talking to and what you're talking about and how you're spending your time. If I, you, if I not only will these words help me ask for forgiveness, but it's going to also tell me what I need to ask for, for forgiveness. Too many fours over there, too confusing. Um, there's a lot of poetry. It's a long day. So there's a lot of poetry, and again, some people love the poetry. Some people don't get the poetry. It's fine. Everyone does whatever works for them in the prayers. It's all part of the give and take of the day. Um, the day, of course, ends with what we call Ne'ilah. Ne'ilah is the closing of the gates. 
It's the last chance. It is the highlight of the day because you spent the whole day praying. We're like angels. We're fasting. We're not eating. Not eating, by, by the way, means no eating, no drinking. Uh, we're not wearing leather shoes. The men are wearing that white um, kittel. Uh, many people like to dress in white. We are acting like angels. We even say things that angels say in the Shema. We say the Baruch Shem out loud the night of the Mayrev. But interesting enough, the next day we don't say it because we're on our way out. Oh, the music is playing. So many things to do. So many people to talk to. So much to do. And we got to keep it short and sweet. And I hope you enjoyed it that way. Thank you to the responsibility. And listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David and Andy in the back. I have left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. A million dreams while the world were gonna 